2: No purchase necessary for you. We're prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
0: To, uh, switch over to the sportscircus.com. Click the listen live if you want to stay with us. Unless you're here in Las Vegas or in the Phoenix or Salt Lake markets, you can go ahead and uh, just stay tuned right where you're at. Otherwise, folks, we'll be back in just a few minutes on the sports circus. KCAA Loma Linda, 1050 a.m., 106.5 fm,
2: and now 102.3 fm.
3: This is Dick from Carpet Masters. Carpet Masters has been serving the Inland Empire for over 60 years. We are locally owned and operated by the Stevens family. We not only clean carpet and furniture, we clean many loose rugs, including Oriental rugs. Oriental rugs are cleaned in our modern facility where the fringes are cleaned by hand, then hung in our modern facility to dry. We do not use steam cleaning to clean your fine furniture. Furniture is cleaned by hand using the same absorption cleaning used in the White House. Some furniture we bring into our plant to clean properly. We normally use two men on each cleaning job using the extraction method. There is nothing that would clean carpet better for our customers. Our job is to clean properly with quality first. Google Carpet Masters San Bernardino and give us a call or go to carpetmasterssocal.com.
1: Nah, I thought you got some. Ah, the game starts in five minutes.
0: And you drank the last beer at midnight on Friday.
4: I wish there was a place that delivered beer.
0: Yes, I'm Captain Crafted. I'm here to bring you beer. That's Captain C R A F T apostrophe D. Why? Because there's no E, just a D, as in deliver, because Captain Crafted delivers.
5: That's right. The Crafted Beer Store in Redlands is now open for business with great prices and deliveries of your favorite beer, wine, spirits, water, ice, and mixers. Did I mention their great prices? That's C R A F T D B E E R Store.com or Fred Crafted Beer Store on Facebook.com. Make it easy. Google, Redlands Beer Delivery. Look for Crafted Beer. Crafted Beer Store
0: in Redlands is now open for Beersness. And I'm here to deliver.
5: Now, here's a new concept, digital network advertising, where businesses display your ad inside their building. If a picture's worth a thousand words, your company is going to thrive with digital network advertising. Choose your marketing sites or jump on the DNA system and advertise with all participants. Your business ad or logo is rotated multiple times an hour inside local businesses where people will discover your company. Digital Network Advertising, DNA, a novel way to be seen and remembered. Digital Network Advertising with networks in Redlands and Yukaipa. Call in the 909 area, 222-9293 for introductory pricing. That's 909-222-9293 for digital network advertising. One last time, digital network advertising, 909-222-9293. Do
2: you owe more than $10,000 in back taxes to the IRS? Can't afford to pay? You're not alone. The slow economy has backed many Americans into a financial corner. Here's fantastic news. The Internal Revenue Service is now accepting reduced settlements from taxpayers in trouble. A government program is in place to relieve overburdened taxpayers. It's called the Fresh Start Initiative. And if you qualify, you can end all collections, settle your tax issue, and possibly reduce the amount you owe by thousands of dollars. A new taxpayer emergency helpline has been set up by Tax Mediation Services. Call the helpline now at 877 207 2077. See if you qualify to have all collections ended and to have have your tax problems resolved for thousands less. If you owe more than $10,000 in back taxes to the IRS that you cannot afford to pay, call now to see if you qualify for the Fresh Start Initiative. 877-207-2077. 877-207-2077. 207 If you're looking for a full or part-time sales position and you have radio, TV, or print media experience, KCAA has a great opportunity waiting for you that pays the highest commissions in the market. KCAA is the only station in the IE that broadcasts on three frequencies, so advertisers receive three ads for one low rate. This makes KCAA a must-buy for every local business. If you're interested in a sales position with us, call 909-885-8502 or email CEO at kcaaradio.com.
0: You've tuned in to KCAA, the station that leaves no listener behind.
6: Live from the NBC News Radio Broadcasting Studios of KCAA, 1050 AM, 102.3 FM and 106.5 FM. Located in beautiful, windy California and unfortunately fire burning. Thank you for tuning in The Water Zone this afternoon. Good afternoon, I'm Rob Starr along with Mr. Mike Barron who's up north today but he is on the phone. Also known here around as Mikeypedia and together we collectively are known as Da Water Boys. The Water Boys. <laughs> That's his 10-second delay. <laughs> How are you, Mike?
4: Great, great uh, up here in Sacramento.
6: That long time no see. Uh,
4: yeah, yeah. I guess it's been what a <laughs> whole, uh, six hours. Yeah, <laughs> but that's an eternity sometimes, isn't it?
6: it? It is. It is. So what are you well, doing? Uh, so tell the listeners what you're doing up there today or tomorrow, actually.
4: Yes. Well, um, the Department of Water Resources for the state of California and the contractor, uh, contractor landscape. Sorry, the Landscape Contractors Association of California (CLCA) uh, coordinated a series of workshops on the model water-efficient landscape ordinance that is in uh, effect in the state of California, with the objective of reducing water consumption for the purposes of maintaining landscapes. And it's a great idea, and it started early uh, earlier this year to invite <clears throat> not only contractors who do maintenance work, but city professionals who are involved in the planning department and oversee the um, submittals uh, that are required by the Model Water efficient Landscape Ordinance. They review them and approve them, and also city folks and water agency folks. So the whole purpose is to spend about uh, five and a half hours reviewing the Model Water Efficiency Landscape Ordinance, but in a very unique way. We actually do the end of learning all about it. We then actually have everyone calculate water budgets, which are so critical and so key to the whole program. So uh, it's really a great opportunity, and I was asked to uh, do training on the actual irrigation aspect of the Model Water Efficiency Landscape Ordinance And so
6: that's what I'm doing up here. Excellent, excellent, excellent. Well, today we got a great guest. And just for anybody who wants to call in, the numbers are 888-909-1050. Or if you're local to the station out here in San Bernardino, Redlands area, it's 909-792-5222. And uh, we're live and in color. So anybody watching us on the uh, the web can see us. And we'll give a little wave out to there. Mikey can't wave, but he can say hi. And he has. Uh, we got a great guest today and a very interesting, because I'm a techie guy, as Mike knows. And I like science. And we have a, a, a gentleman named Mr. Neil Bracken, who's president of a company called Weather Modification. They're out of uh, uh, North Dakota, and they do cloud seeding, among other things that they own. And I like to bring him aboard and uh, pick his brain. And uh, I know he doesn't; their, their company doesn't go around with a little stick where they don't sing and try to make the the clouds uh, rain. They do a technical thing to make it rain. So, uh, and, and other things which I which I read about. So, Mr. Bracken, welcome to the show.
7: Hey, good afternoon to everybody, and uh, thank you for uh, allowing me to be on here and joining you this afternoon.
6: Absolutely, I'm I'm excited about having you on because I I read a bunch of things about your company and what you do, and and I like science stuff, and uh, uh, it's just real interesting to me. And I think a lot of people don't really understand about it, uh, and I thought it was a great topic to have somebody on who's a, who's an expert, and your company is. Actually, one of the one of the most noted ones around, in at least the USA. But I, I also noticed that you do stuff all over the world, not just not just here and locally, meaning in the U.S. You've been to Antigua, Australia, uh, Argentina, Canada, Greece, India, Indonesia, Jordan, uh, Morocco, Saudi Arabia. So your guys go like all over the place. Yeah,
7: no, that's right. Uh, you know, to, to start, we we appreciate the opportunity um, to to come on and, and talk about what cloud seeding is, and uh, that helps dispel what cloud seeding is not.
6: Absolutely. And,
7: uh, you know, our, our company has uh, has been around and is uh, the, one of the oldest and uh, most established and accomplished cloud seeding companies in the world, and we've been, in continuous operation since uh, since
6: 1961 and and just so that people know this isn't like crop dusting where you get up a jockey pilot and you put gas in and you fly it around and dump the stuff i mean there's you've got meteorologists you've got i mean science i mean you got can you tell us tell us a little about about weather modification and what you have and and the technical portion of what what makes what comprises your company
7: yeah, well, um, weather modification was, uh, was started in, the, in the 1960s by, uh, some farmers who, uh, came out of the, the military where, uh, they've been, uh, exposed to, uh, to cloud seeding and, and cloud seeding is, is not a new technology. It's been around since the, the late 40s. And, uh, they looked at the technology and said, hey, I think we could apply this to, uh, to our livelihood in, in western North Dakota. And they do. They, they started this, which is how we uh, deploy it today with uh, with aircraft, uh, aviation, and aerial-based uh, cloud seeding. And you know what what we do today, and what we uh, grew out of that uh, origin, is is we deploy um, full turnkey, full service, uh, uh, well-designed, and uh, uh, fully executable cloud seeding programs domestically here in the U.S. And as you mentioned, there are a few of our uh, locations uh, around the world. And what we do is we deploy staff, uh, aircraft, uh, radars, other uh, support equipment. We provide uh, modeling, meteorologists, uh, forecasting, all the full services to uh, to execute a high quality cloud seeding program. And you know what's what's good for the audience to know is. Uh, there is a, an accreditation and a, and a standard for these cloud-seeking programs, which is designed and established by the uh, American Society of Civil Engineers. And uh, certainly WMI, with our long history, has been uh, actively involved with that group in, in learning and applying uh, what, what we learned in the field to uh, continually raising that standard in, in executing uh, efficient and effective cloud-seeking programs.
6: Hmm. Now, you, you also retrofit planes, for other people, or just just for yourself, and, and what kind of planes do you? I mean, do you use the jet? I saw a video on on YouTube about one of your pilots overseas uh, who was rising up through thing. I mean, it's it's, it's not as simple as everybody thinks it is—just flying a plane through a cloud. So, how, how does that all work? And
7: <laughs> yeah, we you know we uh, you mentioned on the, the modification of airplanes. So our uh, preferred platform is uh, the King Air, a series of aircraft, turboprop uh, aircraft. So uh, T-90, a Beechcraft King Air 200 or 350, and we, we choose those airplanes because of their, their performance, their capability. Um, they're supported very well by uh, Textron and Beechcraft Corporation worldwide, so we can effectively deploy those aircraft uh, around the world and, and know that they'll be supported uh, from a maintenance perspective, <clears throat> um, and, and we're able to source uh, anything we need to, uh, to keep them fully operational. Um, and, and with that, uh, the uh, aftermarket term for a uh, FAA-endorsed installation is called an, an STC or Supplemental Type Certificate. We hold the, uh, the only Supplemental Type Certificate for complete weather modification and cloud-seating installation uh, on these aircraft that allows for um, full installation, uh, powered, and in, in flight operations, full flight envelope operations with our our cloud seeding equipment. Mm. So we, we install and retrofit these, these aircraft. Um, as you mentioned, it's not about just, uh, as as I'll say, some companies and some operators fly around and disperse materials. And that's, that's not what we do. We, um, study the, the climatology. We understand the weather patterns very well in a particular target area and our our meteorologists and, and forecasters and modelers develop a, the uh, the the program and the program design. Uh, then we uh, have field meteorologists who work with the pilots um, to uh, to designate the seeding criteria. Uh, when they're met, then uh, the aircraft are uh, uh, dispatched and, and launched to uh, to this target area. And then the pilots have been have been trained, so they're not just wandering aimlessly through the sky. They know what to look for and the, the conditions that are right for effective cloud seeding.
6: So, what are the very? Uh, oh. oh, go ahead, Mike. It, yeah, <clears throat>
4: this is so fascinating. I just want to kind of reel it back for a second. And when the company first started in North Dakota, was it primarily to be able to get rain to occur because there was uh, because the average rainfall or the rainfall for the season was way below average? I mean, was it was the main purpose to try to um, create Rain a rain event uh, at the most opportune time, given all these different factors that you mentioned, uh, with the, that the uh, program design come up comes up with, and the the forecasters and the meteorologists and those folks. So I guess it was it the basic essence of the of the group of farmers that came back, you know, from the, their military experiences, and hey, we we want to want to get a little more reliable irrigate,
7: or, <laughs> irrigation from the sky.
6: Or, or, or is there other yeah. purposes for, for cloud seeding that we don't know about?
7: Yeah, so um, that's, that's a great question. And uh, the, the main purposes and, and uh, results of effective cloud seeding are for uh, um, fog mitigation. Um, that's probably the least common. And then the most common ways are precipitation enhancement, which can be in the form of snow or rain. And uh, the uh, uh, third area is for uh, hail mitigation. So the original um, uh, intent of the Starters of Weather Modification, Inc. was primarily around hail mitigation. And they worked with the state of North Dakota on a project that still operates today. So it's the longest continuous operating uh, cloud seeding program in the world uh, run by the state of North Dakota. That's the North Dakota Cloud Modification Project. And the primary objective there is, is hail mitigation. And um, I should talk a little about the, the basic concept there um, <clears throat> for for this type of cloud seeding is around summertime convective thunderstorms. So here in the northern Great Plains, we have uh, a significant um, summertime thunderstorms um, that often produce hail. And in western North Dakota, it's a quite hail-prone uh, area, and that hail damages crops. So what you do with, uh, with cloud seeding and, and what you have is uh, hailstones form when uh, um, a small condensation nuclei or small dust particles uh, run into super cool liquid water. And I'll use the term super cool liquid water. And what that means is water in the atmosphere that is in a liquid form, but it's uh, colder than zero degrees C. It's colder than the freezing point, but it's not solid because what the, the water needs is something solid for it to attach to uh, to start the uh, crystalline structure in the ice phase of, of water. So water will stay, in, in when its purest form, will stay in a liquid state up to and an colder than even minus 20, minus 25 degrees centigrade wow. until it has that, that nucleus um, to, uh, to start the, the crystalline structure and, and then instantly freeze. So that's what you, you hear about when the aircraft are icing up or hit icing conditions. What they're doing is flying through super cool liquid water, and it, it hits the airframe and, and freezes to the airframe. So that's really what we're targeting in uh, summertime uh, convective hail suppression cloud seeding. Um, you have hailstones, and these hailstones uh, travel up and down in a, in a thunderstorm. And as they're cycling up and down the thunderstorm, they get larger and larger as they accrue more and more supercooled liquid water. And what we're doing is, is adding additional condensation nuclei. So think of a given parcel of volume of air that has a given uh, amount of supercooled liquid water. And if you have, for simplicity's sake, 10 hailstones forming in there and they're bumping in all this liquid water and, and growing... What we do is add more nucleation, more nucleants, and we call them condensation nuclei, into that same volume of air, and instead of 10 stones, now you have um, 500 or 1,000 stones, and they're much smaller, and many of those stones, as, once they fall, um, will be smaller, causing less damage, or they even turn into precipitation because they melt between uh, cloud base and, and reaching the ground.
6: What? what go, ahead. Did, oh, go ahead, Mike. <clears throat>
7: Well, I would just, you know, I, that is a
4: very intriguing technology um, and one that I had never heard before. I don't know, Rob, if you've heard of that, but that's uh, that's so clever.
6: Oh, to- absolutely. Well, what, what determines if a specific area is a good candidate for cloud seeding? I mean, does it involve the necessity of certain cloud formations, temperature? I mean, I would think there's some factors that you know, that you have to determine before you, you say, yes, we'll do the job, or yes, we can do it, but we need these conditions, or how does that work? Yeah,
7: it, you know, it, it falls into uh, what is the desired result of the cloud seeding, as I mentioned. Is it is it uh, hail mitigation, as I was talking about there, or is it precipitation increase in the form of, of snow or rain? So here in the, where I was talking about in the, in the northern Great Plains, and there's cloud seeding programs that, have been or are currently active in uh, in Kansas, Oklahoma, Texas. And we have a 22-year uh, uh, running program up in Calgary, Alberta, Canada that's actually sponsored by uh, property casualty insurance companies. So their motivation is obviously to have less hail damage at the surface. And so uh, these hail-prone areas, um, the, the basic and, again, what's naturally occurring is you have um, an abundance of supercooled liquid water and a deficit of condensation nuclei or these small um, uh, dust particles. And so uh, we know if there's a significant hail and there's, there's thunderstorms, which is, you know, you take the Rocky Mountains and look uh, from uh, Canada all the way down into uh, to Mexico and on the eastern side of that, wherever you have a significant amount of hail, you know there's an abundance of super cool liquid water that if you introduce condensation nuclei in the right place in the right time, and that's what we do as a company is, is find those locations that you can reduce the hail impact on the ground. Hmm.
6: So, uh, you know, as I said earlier, I know you guys do stuff all over the world and I know you did a project called the Cloud Aerosol Interaction and Precipitation Experiment. So say, say that was done overseas, and I don't know if that was or not, but uh, You have several that that you've done overseas. Do you use the same aircraft to fly over there to do it? With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky
5: just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time.
0: (gasps) No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. or
6: do you have to do something different when you're doing these experiments for these governments or cities or these other agencies? How, how does that work?
7: Well, um, yeah, generally we do. We try to, again, use the same platform, same aircraft, uh, Beechcraft, King Air Aircraft, that helps us with training and, and uh, continuity and, 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 uh, and overall cost. And, again, those aircraft are, are globally supported. Um, and they perform very well. So, you know, for example, uh, well, we do a lot of operational cloud seeding. I mentioned some of that here in the Dakotas and Canada. Um, What you were referring to there was the the acronym Cypex and that was done in India. And in India, the the operational program was actually research. And what our um, STCs that I referred to earlier allow us to do is not only install cloud seeding equipment but we can also install a lot of measuring devices, so aerosol uh, measurements, cloud physics um, instruments that uh, attach to pylons on the aircraft. And, and what those are used for is to um, essentially take a core sample in the atmosphere. So think about an airplane that's uh, you know, kind of doing circle racetrack patterns at various altitudes, climbing in the, in the sky and then descending. Measuring the different size concentration of uh, the particles as you're uh, uh, flying through, and then uh, correlating that to the temperature levels and the three-dimensional winds, so they can get a good core sample of what the atmosphere is, and that allows uh, researchers for a ample number of uh, different purposes to study anything from can cloud seeding be effective to what are the natural aerosols that might be uh, enhancing rain that you know could uh, could be uh, supplemented with uh, other additional cloud seeding that allows study of pollution and and pollution origin, pollution monitoring, uh, tracing black carbon, uh, just a myriad of of possibilities with the measurements that we can take.
6: Hmm. Uh, 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 Rob, can I ask? No, go, go, go. Go ahead.
4: Uh, um, You know, from a marketing perspective, um, I'm thinking to myself, how does a company like yours with your Company skill set and services um, get connected with a, an insurance company. Is that something that your company goes out to try to think of applications that might be of value to potential customers, or did they seek out your company because you have a reputation within this uh, weather modification community that, that uh, made them reach out to you? Do you have any history about
7: that? yeah certainly um you know and it it's happened in uh in different ways it, in uh regards to you know the insurance program and, and the insurance sponsor program in in uh Canada, that was uh them seeking a a solution and and us jointly uh understanding um a, a potential solution here and then working together on designing of a of a pilot project and uh they established a uh a, uh, a three-year pilot project to, to study and see if this was effective or not. And, and they used a third-party uh, validation of this, um, uh, collaborating with uh, some research and academic institutions to, to study the work. And they decided very conclusively that this, this was effective. And then they uh, are able to say, well, what is does a, a kind of build-out of this program cost? And then they uh, can make a good... Uh, um, business decision on the cost-benefit to deploying this program, and uh, uh, they've obviously made the decision that it's well worth the uh, the uh, investment, as we've again mentioned, we're 22 years in, in running on that program up there. Um,
4: yeah, that's amazing. Sort of- did, 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 um, is that something where there has to be any type of permitting or licensing from the uh, from the country, you know, maybe from their, I don't know, one of their agencies, or is that something because you did coordinate it with the different institutions that that just, you know, marched along as a
7: test and mm-hmm. it was. Yeah, each you know each state and then each country is is different, and you know we work with the local authorities, and in Canada, we work with Environment Canada. Uh, to assure the permitting, and, and we assure what uh, the equipment that we're using and then the materials that we're using um, for the actual cloud seeding. And, uh, you know, those are reviewed, and, and there is permitting required up there, and we go through the process and full disclosure of what we're doing and how we're doing it um, so that we can have the appropriate permits to execute those programs. Um, in the United States, um, Essentially, almost every state, if you look in it, does have a policy or a uh, permitting process for for cloud seeding. Now, a lot of them are are very similar, but but there is a a state-by-state permitting process here in the U.S.
6: Is that because you use some specialized chemical (laughs) agents that initiate the precipitation process? and, 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 And I would assume then you fly directly through the clouds to do this stuff.
7: Well, you know, again, it it, uh, depends on the the type of cloud seeding, Um, again, for for hail mitigation or if we're looking for precipitation or snow increase. um, Our most common uh, types of of active components are, one, uh, salt. So just common table salt that is uh, used in uh, pyrotechnic flares and um, we're, of course, not using the size of crystals you'll see, you know, on, on table salt. We're trying to get those to be very, very small so that they're um, the appropriate size to uh, to create and enhance um, uh, the coalescing and, and growing of, of cloud droplets. And then the other um, cold cloud material that we use is the aquaconda silver iodide. And silver iodide is used because it's, it, um, very much emulates the uh, crystalline structure of ice, and therefore, uh, when it's uh, burned in uh, in a chemical compound that uh, that we manufacture ourselves and, and that's been tested uh, numerous times in uh, cloud chambers uh, by third-party institutions, and there's even an EPA statement out on, on silver iodide and its uh, environmental safety and, and use um, that it's it's dispersed in the small materials. Um, the small uh, condensation nuclei that result from uh, uh, these pyrotechnic flares with silver iodide uh, greatly enhance the uh, the growth of uh, ice uh, nucleants and therefore uh, precipitation.
6: So, so once you s- disseminate <clears throat> the the iodide or any of the, any of the materials, how long does it take before the commencement of precipitation or whatever you're trying to achieve happen? Is it immediate or does it take a while? Does it?
7: So in the uh, In the summertime thunderstorm hail mitigation cloud seeding, we do two types of seeding um, using the same material. So we're using silver iodide because we're targeting super cool liquid water, and so it's uh, colder than zero, so we're using silver iodide, and we will do base seeding. So think of a thunderstorm when you see the the dark clouds and what's known as a a shelf cloud. Um, That's where you see a significant amount of updraft uh, into uh, the growing part of a storm. So we will fly along the front edge of this inflow, um, this updraft into the storm, and we'll burn uh, these 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 flares, and the, the storm will naturally intake, just like it's taking natural salt and dust from the ground. It'll take our condensation nuclei of silver iodide up into the cloud, which will target the, the super cool liquid water. Um, and then we'll have another aircraft that's uh, up at a higher altitude, um, and they're looking for temperature levels, not, not altitude. So we're looking to be between minus 5 and minus 10. And at that altitude, we can find the, the most effective, super cool liquid water. We won't fly through the heart of the thunderstorm. That's crazy. And we don't do that sort of uh, um, operations. what we do is fly in, in new growth and what we term as feeder cells to a uh, summertime thunderstorm. And you'll penetrate that, and, and you'll, you'll hit a solid updraft. It can be a bumpy ride for the guys. And you'll hit this liquid water, and, again, it's freezing to the surface of the airplane. And then we'll drop uh, what we call ejectable flares, and they look like uh, uh, about the size of a shotgun shell. And they, we um, disperse those out of uh, the belly or the underside of the airplane, and they will burn as they uh, fall out. And, uh, of course, they're caught in the updraft. And so as they're burning, they're releasing um, condensation nuclei into this uh, large pool of supercooled liquid water, and we're starting the ice phase, and that starts the precipitation and and range phase uh, earlier in the storm in the the cell, and and that in turn mitigates the abundance of liquid water that would later create large, damaging hail. So um, back to the time, when you're base seeding, you know, you're looking at 15 to 20 minutes before that, material is actually at the altitude and, and, and being effective and, and then subsequently having an effect on, on a particular cell or storm, whereas the uh, higher altitude uh, ejectable cloud seeding is uh, essentially instant because you're in the liquid water. You are right where you need to be, and when you uh, fire those flares, they, they're working instantly.
6: How, how long does the effect stay, stay going? For example, you Obviously, I, well, I shouldn't say obviously because I don't know. But you go over cloud or clouds, you do your thing. Um, how much precipitation does it create, and does it last? Is it minutes, hours, days, and does it affect anything surrounding that area?
7: Yeah, that's a very common question. Again, I'll, I'll differentiate between two types of seeding. So I've been talking about summertime convective thunderstorm seeding, and so when when we Um, start actively seeding a particular storm or cell, working at 20 to 25 minutes before we're taking an effect. Again, cloud top seeding, uh, those are are essentially instant. And so the same thing when we stop seeding, those effects and and the materials are going to stay active and uh, circulating within the storm for another 20 to 25 With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere
5: Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry Sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No,
0: Lucky Land Casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky.
7: Play for free at luckylandslots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary.
5: Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
7: Minutes Once we're completed with our, with our seating. Um, now, if you, if you look at uh, a, a different type of cloud seeding, which is wintertime snowpack increase um, cloud seeding, and it's just what it sounds like. We're looking to increase snowfall in a particular target area region. Um, what we're doing is the same thing. We're looking for this super cool liquid water, and typically, this type of seeding is in the western United States. It's going on there in California right now, in Idaho, and Arizona, Colorado. Um, several Wyoming, several places out the western united states um you'll get more stratiform clouds and so not a lot of vertical development but it's it's west to east flow and as this moist air goes over the mountains it's it's uh, pushed upward and it cools and you have these pockets of uh of, of water super water that becomes super cool and so we'll fly directly through that and um just like with the, the seeding I was talking about for convective storms, we're actually in, now inside the supercooled liquid water. You're getting ice on the, uh, on the airplane, and you're burning the flares, and you'll see instant results. And we have some great data that's going to be coming out in the early part of this next year on some, some studies that were done with the uh, University of Wyoming and uh, NCARS, the National Center for Atmospheric Research in uh, Boulder, Colorado, where they have some wonderful imaging of uh, the direct effects of uh, operational cloud-seeking, where you can literally see the trails of the airplane going through the super-cool liquid water, and you have a snow shower right behind. You. Hmm. Wow. Very effective.
4: Yeah, now you, um, we've talked about precipitation increase. We've talked about hail mitigation, which I thought was you know, the most unique to a layperson. Um, is there any other category... Uh, of of major service that your company provides.
7: Uh, the the only other uh, area that uh, that is uh, actively is is fog mitigation, and cloud seeding can be effective. It's the same concept, the uh, the same uh, idea we're speaking of here with cold fog. So fog that is going to be zero degrees or colder, and and you see an active program up in the Medford, Oregon. Uh, the airport up there where they use actually uh, uh, balloons dropping uh, dry ice, and uh, they're they're doing the same thing. They're creating, and with the dry ice is uh, sublimates, and it creates uh, uh, colder temperatures and and ice crystals instantly as it's sublimating, and and you can get clearing of uh, of cold fog around airports. And there, there's a number, number of other airports uh, that have done this or actively do this. Uh, Salt Lake City and Reno and and others that, that in different parts of the world that do cold cloud fog mitigation.
4: Now I know that uh, your company uses some sophisticated instrumentation. Um, does your company typically manufacture these different instruments? Kind of customize them to the particular service that you're uh, offering to a customer, or do you kind of uh, does your company aggregate uh, different pieces of equipment?
7: Put them together for a particular purpose? Yes. Yeah, so, so, typically, for operational cloud seating in the core of our installation, our STCs is cloud seating equipment that, that we manufacture and that we've certified through the FAA certification process uh, to be fully functional and operational on, on aircraft. So, all of our cloud seating equipment we manufacture and install and maintain and warranty ourselves. Now, when it gets into uh, many of the other instrumentation, again, it's uh, almost limitless on the number of instruments that can be installed under our, our STC, um, as I mentioned, for for cloud physics and pollution monitoring. Those instruments are very uh, um, technical and detailed, and those we uh, contract out with some close providers who uh, sell us the the solid-state instruments that are installed. And uh, the strength, and what we do as a company is we integrate uh, those instruments into a uh, a data package and an operational aircraft that uh, you know, a given institution can use. Just got one other question, Rob, if I can.
4: Um, what kind of talent do you typically look for in hiring? I mean, is strictly particular type of engineering or chemistry, or what? Could you describe kind of the uh, academic
7: background of your typical employee, if there is a typical employee at your company? <laughs> yeah, you know, um, well, like like every uh, employer, we're looking for good people that are uh, that are motivated, bring a great attitude to to the job. But technically, uh, on the technical side, you know, uh, we have uh, very skilled pilots, and uh, these are guys that uh, guys and gals. That uh, you know want to do more than just fly A to B. They want to you know have a purpose to what they're doing and flying, and um, they like uh, seeing the results of, of the work that they're doing out there, um, and they like uh, to do something unique. Uh, then on the uh, meteorology and technical side, you know again meteorologists there's a, a lot of different jobs out there in meteorology, and ours is a very unique one where a uh, meteorologist has the opportunity to um, you know work in the office and, and do data. Uh, processing. Uh, they can work in, uh, in high resolution modeling, wharf modeling, which, uh, is where you get a lot of your, uh, TV station, radio station forecasts from, uh, wharf models from national weather service, and et cetera. So we do specifically design uh, cloud seeding wharf modeling that, uh, our talented group has, has designed, um, ourselves. Uh, and then we do field work with, uh, um, Uh, Doppler weather radars, and and in the field, the meteorologist is really the the project coordinator. They're sort of the heart and the the, the quarterback of the team out there. They're the ones that are taking the uh, daily forecast and and communicating that to the operational team, which generally the pilots and and aircraft mechanics or technicians that are there, uh, giving them a a 24-hour, 48- and 72-hour outlook over the potential for um, cloud seeding opportunities. And then when, uh, when it's time, they, they coordinate and, uh, and uh, schedule the, the launch of, uh, of the aircraft so that they can be in the right place at the right time. And then, then our skilled pilots who have been trained and have experience, uh, they take over from there and, and put themselves in the right position to be effective. So, you know, each of our, uh, our skill sets, uh, you need that technical background. And then we offer the opportunity to do something unique. Um, and, and most of the uh, we have we have a lot of long term staff, and we're fortunate in that. In the leadership roles of uh, meteorology, and in our technical services, and in our chief pilot and uh, director of maintenance, I mean, I think uh, we have uh, uh, well over twenty years of experience in each of those roles. So fortunate to have a lot of really good, dedicated people.
6: Oh. Hey, silly question, but can you immediately drink the water generated by cloud seeding? Yeah, absolutely.
7: Um, you know, the uh, studies, again, on, on cloud seeding and, and the use of, uh, you know, when it comes to use of salt, that's pretty uh, pretty straightforward, but there's always questions, silver iodide, and, you know, is, is silver harmful and is iodide harmful? Well, what we have is silver iodide, and we have an inert substance, and uh, probably the most extensive work I've done with this is uh, during a, a nine-year program that's still ongoing in uh, Wyoming, um, was involved with a, a, a couple of uh, universities and environmental groups, and they studied the target area, and they took snow samples. They did stream samples, fish tissue, um, downstream uh, samples of, of the snow and the water and everything to measure um, uh, traces and, and find silver iodide in the target area from, uh, from cloud seeding. What they found is uh, they actually aren't finding any more than it's found naturally, and when they overall look at uh, a cloud seeding program, such as in Wyoming, where you're increasing the snowfall in this target area, therefore increasing fresh water, that these cloud seeding programs are uh, environmentally friendly and environmentally positive. Mm. So short answer is yes. And, and, and I've <laughs> actually seen people take spoonfuls of uh, silver iodide and demonstrate that. So it's, <laughs> it's very safe. Do you... Do you... <laughs> But I just want to ask: Have you done any projects in the state of California? Yes, we're out there right now. There's the operational programs, and there's been cloud seeding um, in California for more than forty years. Now, wow. um, we we would love to see, and uh, and and not all cloud seeding programs are are the same. We'd love to see the the standards raised uh, a bit in California. Um, A big reason why I like to do programs like this is this is a good story and and needs to get out there and and there needs to be more discussion over effective, well-run quality cloud seeding programs because that is a big part of the water management solution for the state of California. And the water districts out there that are involved, um, they are active and they're trying and, and they want to do more and they want to expand Uh, what they're doing and uh, invest in what they're doing, but they're a little bit limited, and uh, uh, there needs to be more public and private uh, investment and interest in effective well-run cloud seeding programs.
6: Oh, Well, I sure learned a lot more today.
4: (laughs) Yeah, maybe there's even an opportunity in the future to specifically uh, interview you and have a discussion about the water management aspects of cloud seeding and how it's being used in California, because that certainly would be a very hot topic for our California listeners, so we'll have to put that on our list.
6: Abs- Abs- absolutely and it's not just california it's other places neil we thank you very yep. much I, I i'm i'm excited to listen to you and, and i want to learn more about what you, you guys So i'll keep reading up on you and, and as mike said maybe we can call you back one day and 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 uh, in the near future and talk about this in, in general and you know talk to some major water agency you know talk about the the seeding cost effectiveness in relation to the overall results and think you know Get into the things where the the municipalities and the water agencies may have questions in, but uh, this is an exciting field, and I never realized how much, you know. I mean, I I didn't want to think it's some some crop dusting kind of operation, you know, like you can see on the movies. Not
4: that we not yeah. we have anything against crop dusters. <laughs> no,
6: no, no, not at all. But but you know, it's it's a whole technical science, and that's you know, sure. for for me that interests me. So Neil, we appreciate well, you coming very, on the Water sure. Zone.
7: Yes. No. Yeah, thank I, you very much. Thank you for uh, for the opportunity again. And, and we do feel we have uh, a great story and an evolving story. And I'd love to come back to, to speak with uh, you know maybe uh, other other water stakeholders, whether it's uh, government or public great. or private, that we could participate in. Um, again, we'd love to get, uh, get um, the word out there and, and find solutions, because I think we are part of the solution. Yeah, well, and and uh, just to let folks know, they can go to weathermodification.com to access your
4: website. Very informative and very uh, revealing of the various services and programs that you
7: offer. Yeah, that's great. We appreciate that, and we'd uh, uh, welcome any and all uh, contacts and, uh, and calls and questions that uh, your listening uh, public may have.
6: And we can hook you up at some water agencies out here too, so that'll be a good thing to do. All, All right. right,
4: California Irrigation Institute. There uh, you be go. careful because maybe in the next year we'll ask uh, you'll be you'll be getting an invitation to address a, a, a forum of uh, water agencies in California. So we we uh, we'll be happy we'll to be that. there. All right, super All right. Neil.
6: Thank you so much. Thanks, Neil. Thank you both. All right, we're going to take a little break, and we'll be back to the water zone with Mike and Rob here on KCAA and uh, stick around we'll be talking more water and so what's happening around our state so we'll be back in a moment
2: this is Brook's yard and brooke loves spending time with her kids what she doesn't love are the ugly bear spots in her lawn that's why Brooke uses
0: Scott's Easy Seed.
2: Unlike seed alone, with proper care, Easy Seed's all in one growing solution grows grass anywhere. The first time, guaranteed. This is a Scott's Yard. Pick up Scott's Easy Seed today.
0: Are you looking for a place to buy your landscape and gardening items? Come visit us at Site One Landscape Supply. We offer a large and quality selection of irrigation, landscape, and outdoor living products such as Toros, water efficient, precision nozzles. Site 1 Landscape Supply has over 30 locations right here in Southern California, and we are the largest national wholesale distributor of landscape supplies in the United States. Site 1's knowledgeable and friendly staff is equipped to help you with all your landscape, irrigation, and outdoor living projects. Whether you're redoing your backyard into a drought tolerant garden or creating a water-efficient landscape for your client, Site 1 has everything you need, including the latest in water-saving technologies, drought-tolerant plants for your yard, irrigation supplies, fertilizer and weed control products, landscape accessories, hardscape products, outdoor lighting, and much, much more. Visit Site1.com to find a store near you or stop by today. Site 1, we are stronger together.
6: Well, welcome back to the Water Zone with Mike and Rob. Hope everybody's having a great day. I know I am. I'm learning a whole bunch of stuff. That's what makes this 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 gig pretty pretty interesting, Mike. You know, we get to get to talk to some interesting people. And and one of the most interesting people that we know is the purveyor of Maven's Notebook, Miss Chris Austin. Welcome to the show, Chris.
1: Hey, how's it going, guys?
6: We're doing good. So tell us what's happening in the wonderful world of California. Here we got melting ice, which could cause more drought?
1: <laughs> oh, well, you know, they did say drought is the new normal. And, you know, the the changes at the poles are affecting worldwide wind patterns and where the jet stream goes and where the jet stream goes, the the uh, storms follow. And if the jet stream is not sending them to us, we don't get any. And, you know, in California, we depend on just a handful of strong storms every year, so if we miss a couple, it, it really can be mean quite a dry year. And what they've seen happen now is this uh, ridge, this ridge of high pressure is getting set up again, like it was a few years ago when we had the really, really dry year. A uh, really smart grad student guy named uh, Daniel Swain out of Stanford uh, first uh Named this ridge the ridiculously resilient ridge, the RRR, which sort of became a term that, that sort of riffled through the the weather uh, the weathermen all over the place. But it really actually came from Daniel First, and that's the that's what he that's the name he coined for this ridge that just gets set up over there to the west of the United States, this big air column, and it just keeps all the storms away. And so right now we're, we're seeing that ridge move back into position. And when it will go, nobody knows. But there is no rain in the foreseeable future uh, that they can say. So. Chris, do you hear water
4: agency personnel uh, starting to talk about the possibility that we're going to have a significantly below average uh, rainfall year?
1: Well, that- we all... We all knew that, you know, drought could come back. And, again, it's early in the season, so we shouldn't get too, you know, too caught up in this. But uh, all the signs are that we're headed for another dry year. And, uh, you know, for those of us in the water biz, we understand that drought, you know, could return and it could become, as they call, the new norm.
6: Oh. Well, Mike and I now know somebody from a cloud seeding company we can recommend.
1: <laughs> well, yeah. and cloud, you know, and actually, I I wrote an article on that. And cloud seeding actually, it it does work. But the problem is there has to be clouds, hmm. and if there aren't any clouds, <laughs> there's nothing there's, to be there's, seeded. <laughs> there's got to be some moisture up in that upper atmosphere.
4: That's
6: for sure. Or we get a giant yeah. fan and we blow them over this California. You yeah,
1: know the- <laughs> right now they're talking, you know, humidity is, you know, like 4%, 6%. I mean, Ugh. essentially, right now, there is no water vapor in the air over Southern California.
4: Well, uh, we should we should go to Vegas and get them to do an over-under. You know, number for the inches of rain in in, in L A. You know, is it going to be over uh, fifteen fifteen inches? So we'll see. That's that's not uh, very optimistic at this point in time. And of course, you know, you think well, of the fires. it, it isn't. The,
1: it isn't. But we we must keep in mind this is very early in the season. Yeah. And things yeah. can well, change. Good, at, at least the reservoirs are still in good shape other than
4: in terms of a percentage of how full they are relative to historical averages. They all seem to be above their historical averages except, of course, for Oroville. And um, it'll be interesting, you know, they below that level significantly to make way for possible uh, water from from runoff this, uh, this rainy season. So hope, hopefully uh, that thing will get filled up again.
1: Yes, and hopefully, you know, the reservoirs are in good shape and hopefully we get some precipitation and we're not looking at another dry year. But come in the springtime, when it comes time to make decisions on, uh, you know, how much water they're going to let out of the reservoirs, it's going to be very difficult if it's been another dry year to, you know, I mean, there's going to be a lot of push and pull. Those people are yeah. going to want water, but they're going to want to hold some back. Because we could have another year, and I mean, we we all say the drought is over, but maybe we just got punctuated with a really good wet year. And yeah, well, maybe we term. should start saying the
4: drought is never over. You know, if 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 you're not, if we have a year like last year, that's just simply we're preparing for the next drought. So let's you know conserve our resources our water resources as much as possible. So that's a good point. What uh, Any movement on the Twin Tunnel Project, the California water fix?
1: Um, I haven't heard too much uh, since the Aqua Convention last week. Uh, You know, we're all sort of waiting to see for the agencies, you know, to make their move. There's, you know, discussion. I'm sure there's probably discussion behind the scenes over what we can build. And uh, what I heard from Jeff Keitlinger with Metropolitan Water District at the Aqua Conference last week was they were considering building it in phases. So there would be one tunnel and two intakes, and then they'd go back and finish it if they ever got the financing together to to finish that. Um, but so far it's been kind of quiet on the tunnel front as we Sort of move into the holidays, and also you know the attention on focused on the the wildfires. Quite honestly, oh
4: yeah, it's been devastating. Our hearts go out to those folks that have been affected by that in Ventura, and Oxnard areas.
6: Even L.A. I mean, it's been horrific. I mean, just watching the watching the news on those.
4: Are you are you anywhere near those fires,
6: Chris?
1: Um. The Rye canyon one is just is a little bit north of us i was uh but so far all the fires are downwind, shall we say, which has been a blessing in that we you know we personally here haven't had to endure the bad uh air quality but uh yeah the the fires are just uh terrible i'm I'm amazed that the Rye canyon fire hasn't taken any structures it kind of looked like it was burning in town but it it's Turns out it wasn't really. Wow. Well, uh, have you heard the word La
4: Niña whispered by any anyone at the various uh, events that you've attended recently?
1: La Niña. Uh, yeah. I, I, last I heard, there was a moderate La Niña that they that they thought was setting up. So you know, again, what does that mean? Uh, it's hard to say. Generally, it does mean drier conditions for us. But uh, but you know all all bets can be off in this world where things are changing. um, You know, at the poles and the the currents of the ocean, it all really plays into the weather, and uh, it's going to be interesting to see how things change. Yeah,
6: absolutely. We're gonna have. uh, Well, I was just gonna say, Mike, we have we have somebody from uh, Westland's Water next week. Oh, who do you have yeah, coming yeah. in? Uh, I don't recall the exact name of the person, uh, but we got that set up. We got our ad group uh, help set that up for us, and it'll be an interesting thing. I'll uh, I'll get you that and send it up to you so you can see, and you can call in. That'll be a great show. Yeah. <laughs> so, hey, I hear our buddies up from Northern Cal are blasting the DWR over the dam repairs.
1: Oh well, they're they're pretty concerned, you know. They they they're concerned about these cracks that they found, um, and the the contractors and everybody took a look and said this isn't really anything to be worried about, but the the people that live there are, are they're not so sure. Uh, they don't want to be evacuated again, and you know the the people of Oroville sort of have a, a turbulent history with with uh, DWR when they built that dam up there back in, you know, the 50s, the 60s, uh, the community was really promised that it was going to be this big recreational mecca and there would be all sorts of amenities, and this is really going to bring tourism to the town, and they do quite well. And, you know, they they didn't get quite the recreational facilities they were promised. Uh, they feel DWR has let them down on, you know, in terms of the agreements that they made when they came in and built the dam you know they they live in the shadow of the dam and endure the danger while the water all goes south for the rest of us so so there's some some turbulent history there uh i i'm not sure that the cracks that these cracks are anything to be concerned about i i would tend to go with what the feds and the state are saying uh you know, and there's still more work to come on that spillway uh, next year. So, we—I would expect that. You know, I, I do. I believe that they're planning to do roller compacted concrete up the whole. Um, I'm sorry, structural concrete up the whole spillway, uh, and it's only partway structural concrete. They couldn't finish it all this year. So, mm-hmm. I, I believe the structural concrete will. Be strong and it's supposed to be much stronger than what was there before.
6: Have you uh, go ahead Mike. No, no, that's okay. No. Oh. So, uh talking about water watershed restoration and protection project, uh I hear the reclamation and DWR are releasing this CalSim 3.0 model.
1: Yeah, they, it's a new model, uh you know, they they uh, with all these reservoirs and, and water project operations going on around the state, it's quite a a uh, management enterprise, shall we say, in terms of trying to get everything to work. And so they've uh, they've we use models to sort of estimate and figure out how things are going to work if we do X, what happens to Y, et cetera. And they have a a new model out that's supposed to be better and more accurate. So that model is being sent out for testing, and so that will hopefully help, you know, water managers deal with, you know, deal better with water project operations and be able to estimate, you know, what's going to happen with certain actions.
6: Well, certainly needed.
1: Oh, it it all helps. It's amazing what they're able to do with computer models these days.
4: Yep. Well, you know... With computer models, so much is dependent upon what the uh, kind of the unstated assumptions are. But gosh, with the power of computers today and the level of intelligence of the various uh, researchers and graduate students and professors, that there's, there's sure a lot of power, predictive power in the work that they do, and it gives us a lot of information to at least consider alternatives. That's for sure.
1: Yes, I believe Jay Lunn would say that models are always wrong, but they give (laughs) (laughs) us insights.
4: Well, boy, there's there's a you know he's the uh, I I like to quote his uh, new environmentalism concepts, and now I've got another one that all uh, models are wrong, but they do serve to provide insight. That's good.
1: Yes, and you know some of them.